0: what i would rather have people say is that um uh i see and i recognize the beauty and the diversity of every color that we have in our in our world and uh in spite of the fact that we are different i see you and i value you as the as a person just the way you are
1: welcome to love your neighbor in this episode reverend ann kirschmeyer speaks with reverend hickman alexander
2: Hello friends, this is Saturday, August the 15th. And I am here today with my good friend Hickman Alexander whom I don't often get to catch up with and talk to. So I've really been looking forward to this. Hickman is the son of Haitian immigrants. He was born and raised as he would say in the center of the universe, which is Brooklyn, New York. He earned his Bachelor of Science in Accounting from Brooklyn College, and he has an MDiv from Seabury Western Theological Seminary. Hickman was ordained in the year 2000 in the Diocese of Long Island, and he has served there ever since. He has served both his diocese and the wider church in many ways. He's been an archdeacon, a diocesan council trustee, a Deputy to General Convention, and he's currently the Dean of the Great South Bay Deanery. Hickman's current call is as Vicar of St. James Brookhaven, New York. He's also a member of the leadership team for Reimagining Ministry at Grace Church Riverhead, New York, which is a parish that closed, um, but is now being used as a ministry center. Hickman and his wife, Irret are the proud parents of two beautiful daughters. And I first met Hickman in seminary. We were at Seabury Western at the same time, although Hickman was a year ahead of me. My book of common prayer, which I got when I was 11 years old and was confirmed, and I <laughs> took it to seminary with me, and on the front cover, it has my confirmation certificate which has the date May 1st, 1977, and I still have in here a <laughs> that you wrote um, that told me, we had just met pretty much, but you told me that you were three and a half, basically, when I was confirmed, so you <laughs> let me know, even in seminary, that I was way the heck older than you were.
0: Um, <laughs> my first memory of ann Kirchmeyer was the 1993 honda uh was, was it was a civic hatchback yes yes and it was ann Kirchmeyer, ann with an e Kirchmeyer that rhymes with church fire
2: yes Yes, that's me. That's very funny.
0: Yep. After you came as a perspective, we were all like, "Oh my goodness, Anne is so wonderful." We hope she comes to see Barry Western. And as the Spirit allowed it to happen, you were there, and it was great being a classmate of yours. And I have to say, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm laughing at the, the little note in your prayer book. I was like, oh my goodness, did I really torment you that much? Oh.
2: Yes, yes, you did, <laughs> <laughs>
0: And the best was when you were on my sacristan team, and I got you to do all the heavy lifting.
2: <laughs> I learned a lot. You knew much, much more coming into seminary than I did about all of those finer points of liturgies. I have lots of great seminary memories with you, Hickman, and again, you graduated a year ahead of me, but we've attended and been part of each other's ordinations and also weddings. So let me, I'm going to shift us, Hickman, into our conversation about race. So the congregation that I serve is a predominantly white congregation in Newport News, Virginia, of wonderful people. And we're doing a lot of talking about racism. And I felt like I'm so blessed to have a number of friends who are people of color and who have been graciously willing to talk with me so that I and others in my congregation can hear some perspectives and experiences that may not be familiar to us. So so that's kind of what I'm doing. And um, I sent you the, the questions. but I don't wanna catch you by surprise. There are five <laughs> questions here. And the first one really is just very general. How are you?
0: Um, uh, wow. Um. I'm OK, but a little exhausted. Um, and um, part of me wants 2020 to be over. Um, between COVID, uh, um, school shutting or well, practically everything shutting down in New York um, from March, um, slowly things are are, are um, moving back up. But um, there is a, a sense of fear and trepidation as we approach the reopening the school. So that's exhausting. Uh, we are recovering from the damage that Isaias uh, did uh, to this part of Long Island. Uh, the church community was without power for five days. Uh, there were trees that um, just came down and um, are now waiting to be picked up by the town to ho- hopefully be recycled and mulched. Um, so yeah, things are difficult um, between COVID and you know just everything happening in the world with uh, um, exploding uh, in the late spring, early summer, with the uh, Ahmed, Ahmed Arbery, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor just hitting us with one, two, three punch, and the um, the uh, uh, just the aftermath of that that we're still um, unraveling, and we're going to be doing that for a long time.
2: Yeah. I think so. Thanks. That, that's helpful to get that context. And then, particularly in terms of the racial instances that have been happening and then the everything, the protests, counter protest, I mean, everything that's going on. What has that been like for you personally, for your own family, and also for the congregation that you serve? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, personally, um, and I, I hate to say it, but, um, this is nothing new. Um, we've had incidents like this happen, uh, in the New York area. We're remembering, um, uh, it may not be law enforcement related, but the 30th anniversary of Yusef Hawkins, um, you know, I remember as, um, a child, um, there are certain neighborhoods in Brooklyn you would not go through after dark, uh, uh, so, um, Uh, the, um, the use of force, um, uh, against, uh, people of color is a reality that many of us have to, uh, live with, uh, when I leave the house every day, um, Perrette says to me, um, uh, I love you, be careful and be safe. I know what she means and it's not just, uh, be safe out there. It's a reality that, um, should something happen, uh, I may not come home. Or she may have to pick me up in a state where uh, I'm less than 100%. Uh, so um, that, that's a reality we live with every single day of our lives. Uh, and it, it's painful uh, for me when um, incidences like that happen, and friends, acquaintances, and other people I know say, um, you know, they point out, well, that person must have done something wrong to get that reaction from the police officer. Uh, and i wonder uh if something would happen to me and they know me would they say the same thing uh and so uh, uh, um you know these are these are the things that uh, run through my mind every single day um i worry about my my godsons who are um uh well they were cute adorable boys and they have the most kind and uh sweetest souls uh uh but they're they're growing up one is now 6 foot 2 the other one is uh, almost as tall as I. I was looking at pictures the other day, five years ago, we were at a Met game um, together and you know there he was a little cute um, boy eating a, 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 a container of popcorn this big. Uh, and um, now he's almost my height. And you know, all of a sudden it's not a sweet, innocent boy anymore. It's um, that someone that could be perceived as a threat um my congregation St James is um uh, is diverse um I'd say we're 60 40 um 60% being of European uh descent and 40% of um of a racial diversity uh from um uh be it uh the Caribbeans uh America or, or Africa uh we have uh two interracial couples uh and uh so um based on a congregational makeup and uh, also who I am, uh, the conversation that we're having at church is not new. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's been mm-hmm. easy. Uh, I remember in 2016 when um, uh, the Philando Castile and Alton Sterling um, uh, incidences happened um, around that time the gospel reading that Sunday was the Good Samaritan and I asked the question in a congregation you know Jesus says who is your neighbor and um, why is it hard for these people uh, to see uh, black people as their neighbor and I shared some of the experiences I had um, uh, in the homily, my personal experiences. And uh, and I pointed out that three years earlier um, when the Good Samaritan gospel reading came up, that was the uh, week after George Sim- Zimmerman had been acquitted of shooting uh, Trayvon Martin. And I asked the same question then, why is it that this man couldn't see a young black man? It was beyond the realm of his possibility that this young black man belonged in his neighborhood uh and um i had people upset that i um i preached on 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 the issue uh and uh word got back to me and i don't know how true it is or not but uh one family said they were not coming back to the church for that reason and i haven't seen them since then uh so um it's it's um it's hard, but at the same time, you know um we're not having it now, but um I look at uh fellowship hour and we have people who uh uh are are of differing op- opinions sitting together, having conversations and having conversations about race and um trying to reach an understanding and um my hope and prayer is that um we'll continue to do that hard work as a church.
2: But you were talking about in your coffee hour, which you can't have right now, you're seeing conversations happening. It yes. makes me think about our professor, John Belvis and yeah. um, what he would say about unlikely conversations, or mm-hmm. I, I meant the wrong, term wrong, but.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, um and, and exactly that's what's happening. Um, people of different uh, opinions are uh, uh, be it politically, be it um uh, uh, on whether racism exists or not, they're having conversations. And what I'm hoping is that as these conversations happen. Over coffee uh, and um, and other um, sweet pastries that um, uh, the flavor that's being absorbed is not just the food but the flavor of that uh, intentional community building uh, and you know I call them the table of envy they push two tables together and they wind up talking uh, and sometimes if it's not for uh, everyone else getting up to leave they'll be there for Hours just talking about things. Uh, and so I, I, I appreciate the willingness of people to engage in, in deep conversation and not just um, uh, leave it in a box and say, you know, this is not something that we deal with in church and that um, we'll worry about it in another setting.
2: Right. That's great. Thank you. So then the next question was yourself and your own life. Where and how have you experienced racism? Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, You know, growing up in New York, people think of New York as being this... all free flowing, all accepting uh, society uh, where, um, you know, we're not the first, the the false dichotomy is that um, the North doesn't deal with it and the South does. And that that is not the reality. Um, I remember a very young age, um, you know, being in the store and people walking, uh, walking and following us around the store. uh, And, you know, putting one and one together to know um, why we were being followed. Um, I remember um, uh, we had the gift in in the New York City school system of uh, an occasional half day. And when that happened, um, we would go to the mall and hopefully catch an early movie. So I remember um, uh, uh, maybe eight or 10 of us going to the mall and getting to the door and security telling us that they were not allowing uh, groups of more than two to go in. And um, while we were standing there, a group of 20... um, Uh, white uh, students walked in unstopped Uh, so yeah um, so uh, I think um, it's it's a common experience that a lot of us have Um, what I guess the the first time it really um, it really struck me and and hit me was you know um, it was a um, fast-food job not making much money and um they hired someone after us and um the person they hired with no previous experience was making 20 cents more an hour than we were uh so um and you know it, it reinforced the reality of the, of the economic uh, uh gap that um that we have in wages uh mm-hmm. and that was not something i was ready to discover at 16 um you know Things that, that were more um, shocking, um, walking down the street of Brooklyn and have some have someone scream out, hey, N-word, what are you doing here? Um, and, and again, it, it just goes against everything we know uh, or we think we know about New York being diverse and accepting, but there you have it. Um, and you know, the collar doesn't make you immune to racism either. Um uh, I remember two weeks after being ordained a priest and, and you were a torchbearer by ordination to the priesthood. Um
2: I remember
0: <laughs> uh, Um I was in,
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. I was invited to be a guest preacher at a church. Um, and you know, you notice people shifting, 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 uh, at the end of the service, um, when we went out, went out to lunch, um, the rector apologized because a parishioner there switched sides so that she wouldn't take communion from me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at St. James, I did a wedding and, um, the mother, the bride, uh, uh thanked me for doing the wedding afterwards and she told me that she was surprised when her daughter told her that the priest at st james was black because the diocese had never sent one of you here so um you know uh it's it, it's a reality. Uh, I think of social settings, um, you know, again, little subtle things um, where we go to um, parties around uh, our neighborhood and people ask, well, how do you know the host? And when we say we're neighbors, we get that look like, wow, you live here? Um, like, uh, we can't live in a particular neighborhood based on what we look like.
2: Wow, wow. Thanks, Hickman. Boy, that's, um, I'm just thinking about sort of every arena that you're in, where you live, where you work, where you socialize, um, yeah, just everywhere, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what can white Christians do to be allies for you? And is there anything in particular you'd like to say to white Christians as we try to learn and navigate this better?
0: Uh, I, I'm sure um, people have heard this, but it's important to listen to experiences. Um, I, you know, with the advent of social media, there there are people out there who um, have become internet uh, famous, and they are, they're spreading alternative uh, uh, facts and, and t- alternative experiences that uh, wind up being uh, quote unquote the norm and um and a, a lot of what they say sometimes uh minimizes the experience that people of color have had uh so listen when someone is sharing their experiences with you and um don't uh quote uh someone you saw on the internet or some book that you read be with that person in that moment listen with compassion mm-hmm. listen to try to understand uh, i think that that's an art that we we've lost in our society um when we listen and when we're listening, what we're listening to do is to, um, I hear this point, I have my counterpoint ready. And uh, all of a sudden you want to rebut everything that um, that person uh, just told you. And um, we can't have understanding if uh, I'm, I'm telling you it's something that happened to me and you're telling me, but it really didn't happen. Uh, and that you minimize the reality of what my experience is. And um, so, uh, listen with compassion and listen to understand um and i think that goes hand in hand with um really build um intentional relationships with people and especially people who are different from you uh at the start of the summer when the protests were happening i had a couple of people call me and say hey you know i know we've never talked but i just want to get to know you better uh, and um Just like yesterday's headlines are gone, Um, I haven't heard anything from from those people who are, not just white people, but people in general, um, building r- real relationships with people who are different from, from them. Uh, and um, you know, I think of, uh, again, the, the people at Coffee Hour who are very different racially, politically, their worldview on, on a lot of things. And they sit together and they form community and they, um, they, they're trying to get to know each other better. Uh, and I think we need to do, to do more of that. Um, uh, yeah, and the only other thought I have there is, um, I've seen, uh, um, a couple people say it from time to time that I know, and I've seen, it, um, people, um, you know, um, in, in articles and other, um, postings on social media, they say, um, that they're colorblind and they don't see race, um, and uh when someone says that to me what it tells me is that uh if i'm in a particular situation that i'm discriminated against you are so colorblind that you can't see the oppression happening in that moment mm. uh and uh it it fails to acknowledge the fact that we have uh inequalities based on how people look uh their gender identity um I, and I I think bald people are discriminated against also. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> so does John. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, um, uh, when you I, I wish that was truly the case where we're all colorblind and that we were on judged based on our skin color. But that's not the reality. Um, I would love for us to come to the day when that is the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would rather have people say is that um, uh, I see and I recognize the beauty and the diversity of every color that we have in our in our world, and uh, in, in spite of the fact that we are different, I see you and I value you as the as a person just the way you are. Uh, and, um, I, I think a, a shift that has to happen on, on our perspective when it comes to, um, using that term colorblind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I, I, don't know if you've seen it or anyone in your congregation has, um, but, um, I think it was in 2016 after, um, protest that summer, the uh, last presidential election was happening also, and there was a lot of, uh, um, uh, uh, disparaging comments made uh, across racial lines as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Christ Church Cathedral in Indianapolis put together a video where um, the members of their staff shared um, their experiences uh, as people of color, as people who uh, have family members that are of color, and I, I thought it was very powerful and well done. I've shown it a couple of times at um, St. St. James uh, to to be a um, a starting point for conversation and I I thought it was well done and it's something that uh, people can access readily and uh, hopefully it will have um, the opportunity for them to have that conversation.
2: That is a great resource. I was not familiar with that, so I will look it up. Then Hickman, the last of those five questions was, in the midst of everything, what gives you
0: hope? The fact that we're having these conversations now, um, it gives me hope. Um, It's easy to sweep it under the rug or say that's not my problem. And um, uh, and we've had these conversations before and we go back to seminary. This is an issue we dealt with at seminary. it's a start and i hope it's a springboard to uh for us to really look at how we can make structural changes in uh in institutional racism and how um how people of color are perceived um, I, I go back to that same Christchurch um uh video in there i remember uh, one of the lady you know they were talking about how people speak with accents and mm-hmm. um husband is i don't remember if it was germany or somewhere from uh europe and because he has a european accent it's considered exotic and something attractive uh a person from central south america or asia when they speak with an accent all too often they hear why can't that person learn english uh uh so um uh how we look at um, uh, the outsider and how, how we um, how we interact with people who are different uh, is, is uh, a change that I hope um, we'll continue to make. Uh, what's most promising for me is um, uh, in w- one week in late June, um, three young ladies organized a peaceful march in the village of Bellport, um, which is a town next to uh, uh, St. James. Mm-hmm. Um, Three days later, another uh, uh group of young ladies also organized a um a peaceful uh gathering in sayville and That same week um a group of six young ladies, all under the age of seventeen who had never met in Nashville, organized um under name teens for e- uh, Equality and they organized a ten thousand plus person peaceful rally in nashville um so when i see how engaged the young people are uh and, and they're realizing that uh you know uh, we we who are older may not have given them the best tools uh to make uh their world work in a way that is equitable and fair and um they're taking the reins uh and they are they are leading uh and uh, uh, that gives me hope um I look at the fact that my um, children, they have a more diverse group of friends than I had until my late teens as a sign of hope. I look at the fact that uh, we are, we're, we're really working hard at-, at trying to overcome these differences uh, so that, uh, you know, uh, Joseph, I'm going I, you know the no, the readings um uh um uh this uh well we're in the Genesis cycle. So Joseph had this dream and you know he shared the dream with, with the brothers and the brothers decided they were gonna dash that dream. Uh uh you know, we're fifty uh plus years past Martin Luther King's dream. And uh I I see the dream uh um uh you know starting to be fulfilled and we take a step back and then we move forward and we make progress again then we lose momentum uh and um there are forces that are are trying to make sure that dream doesn't come uh, to reality and become uh everyone's dream and mm. so- my hope is that uh, we'll, uh, that as these young people gather, they will become the embodiment and fulfillment of that dream, and not just his dream, but all of our dreams.
2: Great, thank you, Hickman. So what we've been what we've been doing at the end is um, praying together. Um, so okay, I'll I'll start, and then if you could uh, say a prayer, and then lead us into the Lord's prayer, which we'll we'll say together. The Lord be with you
0: and also with you.
2: Holy God, thank you so much for Hickman and for his loving heart and faithful friendship all these years, for all that he has taught me and is teaching me. Lord, I pray that your dream, the dream in which your children live together in harmony, in which we respect the differences and the dignity of each person. I pray that that dream will come closer to reality and that you will help us and guide us and teach us what each of us is to do to make that happen. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Oh, God. We thank you for the gift of friends. We thank you for the gift of technology that allows us to link together this afternoon. We ask you, Lord, to send your abiding presence with Anne and the people of St. Andrews as they battle and deal with uh, difficult uh, subjects. Lord, you have blessed St. Andrews with a good and faithful pastor, with a loving heart, and someone who desires to live in unity with all of your created order. As we work together to overcome the things that divide us, oh Lord, we ask your blessing. We ask for your spirit to guide us. We ask you, Lord, to give us the way so that we can live into the dream that you have made for all humankind to be part of. And Lord, you have blessed us with the gift of liturgy in the Episcopal Church. And there is a great prayer that we pray. I wanted to press a mission at uh, morning prayer. And I wanna pray it. Oh God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and you have sent your blessed son to preach peace to those who are far, far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you, bring nations into your fold and pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
2: Amen. Now we pray in the words, Jesus, that you yourself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven,
0: hallowed be thy
2: name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
1: If you would like to look at the video Hickman was talking about from Christchurch Cathedral, Indianapolis, you can find the link in the show notes. One of Hickman's main points, which echoes what many of the guests on Love Your Neighbor have said, was the importance of listening. Not listening to respond or make judgments, but genuinely listening with compassion and trying to understand what the other person is telling you. That is why seeing the church as a place where people can naturally come together and have real conversations with people who are different from them in identity or belief gives Hickman hope. It starts from there. And then we can build empathy, like Ron said in episode three. We can look within and acknowledge our role, our responsibility, like Gail said in episode one and Lorna in episode nine. We can take the lead like Charles said in episode four, and listen to how God is calling us to use our skills and resources to affect change. Like Sobe said in episode seven and Karen in episode five, we can see connections with the people around us and get to a society of love, not hate, togetherness, not division. That's the dream. Thank you for listening, and thank you for following and sharing Love Your neighbor. This show is produced by St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, Newport News, Virginia.